You're listening to The Bunker New York, live on RBMA Radio. Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. I'm your host, Brian Kasnick. Today we are joined by Sonic Groove. We've got label head Adam X in the studio, and Orphix just showed up from Canada. Everybody's here. We'll be here for the next two hours. Uh, both Adam and Orphex are going to be playing some records, and we're going to do some chatting. So stay tuned. Again, this is The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio.
Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. Your host, Brian Kasnick. We've been in the mix for the first 40 minutes of the show with Adam X. Thanks for joining us, Adam. Was that... Do you want to say anything about what you played? Was that was that mostly label, label cuts? Yeah, it was a Sonic Groove thing. I figure, you know, we're doing the Sonic Groove thing in New York tomorrow. And it's the first time I've actually had Orphex here to play in New York. It's, it's, uh, I played with them a lot in Berlin, but I've never had... You've played never played with, with them here? No. Because they've done so. uh, the bunker a couple times in the last... I think in the last year. It took us, took us a while to get them here. Work permits and such. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I have my schedule when I come here all the time because I have my family here, so I just don't pop in on odd dates. It's always a set schedule, so it's just never, it's never been able to work out. This is the first time, and then I got even luckier with Dasha to have her on the bill. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. You know, so I, I felt like doing a, a Sonic Groove thing because we're in New York and it's a, a Sonic Groove party tomorrow, yeah. right? So, and so that's that's it for everybody yeah. in New York. That's at Analog tomorrow. It's the Bunker and Sonic Groove teaming up. And it's Dasha Rush, Orphix, Adam X, and our resident DJ, Patrick Russell. Should be a good time. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about this, actually. And it's, uh, it's at this, this analog club, and the sound system is supposed to be amazing. So Shorty, he's, you know, a, he's a New York he's sound a, yeah, he's legend. A legend yeah. yeah, he's a legend. He's been doing parties here for, since I've been DJing. So. Did you ever go to that after-hours spot in Williamsburg where they had this... Shorty had a sound system. It's kind of like kind of right on the edge of the Williamsburg Bridge. It was like a little room. You felt like you were in somebody's living room and four giant speaker stacks. I have been there before. I mean, I've been some stuff right on the on the road of the of the Williamsburg Bridge. I forget what street it is right there. It's like right parallel with the bridge. But I don't know. I don't I don't think he did the sound in that in his party. This is yeah, like early 2000s. Yeah, like a little it was almost it was like a freestanding one-story building. Eventually a huge condo went there, of course. But for a while there were crazy after hours with that was the first time I heard sound by Shorty, and it was, it was crazy. It was a sound system that was like ten times too big for the room. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it tomorrow. <laughs> I heard they have a Yuri mixer set up there. I might have to play on that. I haven't done that in a long time. Oh, uh, we have to get if we can get Dasha and Patrick to agree to play on uh, the Yuri Rotary. They don't have it separate there. Oh, the Yuri. You're not a DJ until you DJ on the Yuri, right? <laughs> I, I I smell a challenge. <laughs> that's that's the mixer. That's a, you know that's a New York bread mixer. That's a, definitely the old school thing. Yeah. yeah. Though I always hated the turntables on the rubber bands. You know that that was always a little stressful. You'd be playing and you have to hold the side of the tables. So oh, the ones I, I I can do the ashtrays with the rubber bands if you put enough rubber bands, so it's not too no. But bouncy. they had the whole they had the whole table on bands, so if you went to queue up, the table would shake a bit, and you would have to hold. It. I know. I you'd have to either be super gentle. When you try to queue up and, and the needle is jumping, if you did it too heavy, you can't, you can't touch the record on that setup. I don't, really, I don't do actually really understand why they did that because I, I mean, back in the in the in the '90s when I played in the UK, I never saw that in the main clubs there. Either. It's a New York thing. They have it yeah. in the bad room, and I don't like. They brought it back and thought it was really cool. Isn't this great? I'm like, yeah. no, I guess we'll be bringing our own racquetballs and concrete yeah, blocks because that works a lot better. <laughs> yeah, totally. turntables don't move. <laughs> Um, so when was the last time you did a Sonic Groove night in New York? Oh, a proper one? I mean, other than the classic lineup of like Heather, me, and Bones, like we did the Storm Rave with Red Bull. Uh, right. That was oh, like, the you know, Storm a year Rave. And a half that's back. Right. 
But as of now, as far as Sonic Groove, the record label and the artists and me, I don't recall having done one in, in years here. I mean, I know we did our, ten, our 20 year anniversary like in 2010 and like Dasha played on that. That's the one Decay. I'm thinking of. It was in yeah. Manhattan somewhere. So that was kind of the really last, the last official one here. Yeah. That's that's a, that's like a while ago, but that was still like more of a birthday party still, because yeah. Heather and Bones they're not really recording on the label. So this is for me, what they do is kind of separate for me anyway. Sonic Groove the label is mine. They, Heather and Bones have nothing to do with it. They've never know? had anything to do with the label. Well, it was connected to the record shop, so yeah. Back then, I mean, it was all one one thing. But when the shop closed and I moved, you know, this is even before I moved to Berlin. When they were not showing up at work and, you know, things were happening and I, I just had enough of the shop, I told them when the shop closed, I was like, the label is mine and you guys have nothing to do with it. And, you know, I don't even really like them representing, like, they're not allowed to do a party with Sonic Groove unless they talk to me. You know, they can't have a, a Sonic Groove night somewhere without me knowing about it and, and saying that it's fine to do it. Are Heather you know? and Frankie still actively DJing or...? Well, Frankie's around. He's playing, I guess, in the States. I, I don't really follow what he's doing. I don't really know at the moment. But uh, Heather was around, and then she's off, and she's on, and but not really. Like, sometimes she's playing in New York, but I, I don't know. In the last months, I don't know. They're not touring the way you are internationally. No, they're, I mean, Heather's, you know, she, she's got a, a full-time job. She's got a kid. She's not, you know, she's been pretty much out of the scene since the early 2000s, you know, like 2001, two, and she'll do the odd gig here and there, but she's not really keeping up on music and, and that. And then my brother plays music that's not really related to what I'm putting out on the label or any relation to what I do really, you know? And, yeah. I would see him all the time uh, digging for records in New York still. Yeah, he's, I hear that he's around and he's digging. <laughs> <laughs> I think for a Discogs business, maybe? He's your brother. You don't I know? have no idea. You know, I live 4,000 miles away. I'm on my own. You guys don't I'm have like, own, Thanksgiving I'm, dinner together? Uh, <laughs> not this year, probably. <laughs> I mean, I'm here for Thanksgiving to see my family. I think he's going elsewhere to his, his, girl, his uh, girlfriend's uh, fiance uh, family. Right. And you had Henning, Henning's on the label as well, right? He yeah, Henning is on the label. He too. was just here. And yeah. uh, actually, Terrence Fixman was here last weekend, and he's coming out on Sonic Groove with Douglas McCarthy. That's a, a big thing I'm doing in February. That's, uh, that is pretty big. So Fixman McCarthy, you know, this is uh, the EBM legend. It's, yeah. You know, it's, uh, and actually, Terrence bolted him. I mean, Terrence is the guy who really was doing the first EBM techno records. I mean, he was a big influence on me back in the, in the, in the late 90s, early 2000s. You know? Right. And so now I got not only him, I got Douglas, and this is, uh, I'm super excited about this. And I have another new signing, which is a, a, a guy who's been kind of blowing up also a bit in, in Europe, is uh, Blush Response. He's doing stuff on the, uh, on Off Nama Vitagabin, this uh, Berlin-based label, that Ancient Methods and uh, Codex Empire, and it's a, another kind of industrial techno label, and the, the guy Philip is, you know, he's pretty connected into the industrial scene, so he's putting out some really good artists and good, good stuff, uh, Face Fatal, and uh, you know this whole crew is doing stuff for him and uh, Blush has done some stuff for, for Philip and also for Anson he had an album out and now he's got something coming out with me that's going to be the next one after the uh, this Orphex album that just came out right and the Orphex album is just out this week right yeah this it's just like came out this fresh. week yeah it's and like, that's a co-release with Hands yeah that's the CD is on Hands and then the uh, vinyl and the digital is on Sonic Roof is that because why is that 
Why two labels? Oh, uh, well, you know, they, they have to stay loyal to the to, to Udo from Hans. I mean, you know, he they've been working together for years on end. You know, it's uh, I don't want to steal anybody. You know, it's uh, so we're sharing. Okay, <laughs> sharing is caring. Do you do? It's a it's a different scene. So you know, it's I know with Udo because I've worked with him and have done the ADMX seven one album. The first one came out on Hans. You know, it's uh, he's got a different market. He's got a different reach, and they have a you know they're from that scene. You yeah. know, I mean, even more than me. That's how I met them. It was at Machinen Fest in 2007, which is the big industrial rhythmic noise fest in uh, in Germany. So it fits. It's right. They did the last album for him, and you know they've been doing more of the singles for me, which have been more techno based, less noise, less industrial. And I think the album is a good fusion of of all of it, which is it fits for Udo. It fits for me, and I, I'm I'm happy with that I, because I know. Udo's a good guy, and I don't want to steal them away from him either. I mean, they've been working right. together well, for over 15 years. I mean, some labels have way more of a CD just market as well. I know I have a lot of friends with record labels, and I talk to people, and some people can't sell a CD to save their lives, and other people sell way more CDs industrial than vinyl. Scene is, industrial scene is good with that still. They still can sell, I would think, at least 500 CDs on, on, a, on an album, which is, is definitely good on CD. It depends on the artist, but probably more. On yeah, Ants ends all CD. Yeah, as and as all CDs, a CD and digital, and maybe I mean some of these guys. They, I think they're tapping into the vinyl a little bit. I know that that Udo from Hans has done a few twelve inches from Ancient Methods and Geist Form, um, and then Ansen is a distribution and also record mail order company. They've been actually taking a lot of vinyl from me. You know, they took a lot of their album, and uh, you know, he they always you know take copies of, especially any of the the artists that are related to that scene, like Monolith, uh, you know, Orfex. Uh, you know, and then Bosch response, you know, they're gonna, they're very supportive of the artists in this scene. So. Right. So you met Orphix in 2007, yeah. you were saying, and then the 2008? Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. The 12... Was it 2008? It was 2008, man. Oh, it was, okay, it was 2008, because I went to Machine Fest a few times in, when I first moved to Berlin. Um, so yeah, 2008. You sure it was 2008? Yeah, it was. Okay, yeah, that was okay. the last time we yeah, played yeah. there. And yeah, you guys had a rough intro on that show, right? Did we? I, I, we I had think so. Yeah, problems. I think in the beginning in the intro, you it, it took a little while and then you, the music stopped. But that was the, the the best show. That was blew my mind. I didn't I hadn't met you guys yet, yeah. and I made sure to meet you guys because I was like, this is this is this is crossing the, you know this is crossing it, man. It's crossing into techno. You know, a lot of it was, a lot of the other stuff is is great from that time period, but. You know, for what I wanted to do with the label and the sound I was looking for, that was that. I wasn't looking for anything when I was there. I just heard you guys play, and I was like, I was blown away by it. That was, uh, th that was like when you guys were doing a little bit more dub techno mixed with this industrial thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I first heard Orphex in this. Is, I just had to look it up. It was 2010 when you played that club. Oh, in, right. At part of Mutech, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't know. I mean, I was introduced to a lot of Canadian artists through Mutech. Um, Adam, would you say the, or you guys can tune in too, that the, the 12 inches that Orphix did for Sonic Groove was kind of their introduction to the techno scene? and Yeah, I think, I mean, when I met them, they were, you know, I guess being not far from Detroit, they were definitely aware of, like, Underground Resistance and, and, uh, and Pulsate, and, you know, they went to Mono Lake and Panasonic, and there was, a, there was definitely more than other people I've met from the rhythmic noise industrial scene where yeah, some I mean, of those guys we, did. Even when we started with that's what we were listening to, we were listening to industrial stuff, but also going to Rave and 
and discovering that. all that. Yeah, because the yeah. other, the other, all, all the artists in that scene, other than maybe Eminent from from Anzen, was one of the, the few guys that came from the acid techno thing. And mm. he, but a lot of the other guys, they didn't seem to really know so much about techno when I would talk to them. You know, especially about like this more pure form of Detroit stuff, or you know. Mono Lake or stuff like this. I remember when you guys came to Berlin, we went to see Mono Lake, if you remember that, yeah, right, right after the show. Yeah. I mean, that that whole scene in Europe that, like, Machine Invest is part of, and Zen Hands, I mean, that that sound was partly trying to take techno, I think, and and approach it in an industrial way. Well, I always said that Aphex Twin yeah. is probably the precursor to all yeah, of exactly. that, right? Yeah, you yeah. know, you can um, hear that sound. But I think a lot of the artists, when I've, when I've spoken with a lot of the artists in, in that scene, they don't really know a lot about techno. They don't know about like underground resistance and, and this right, more, right. you know, or even like early like Horton stuff when he was making harder stuff, you yeah, know. Yeah. They might know Plastic Man because it was on mute, you know. They might know some of these little things, but. Yeah. Um, we're pretty deep into it. Yeah, that's <laughs> a rhythmic noise thing. It's really, and it's, it's its own genre even outside of industrial, you know. It's a, it's, it's a separate scene outside the industrial scene, really. It's like a subgenre of industrial, you know? And then there's noise, and then the rhythmic noise scene is totally different than the noise scene, right? I mean, you you know, you can probably get into a little, a little more of that, you know? Yeah, it's um, funny in this day and age that it's still, I mean, it's all coming together more, but it still remains divided in a lot of ways. And everybody kind of has access to everything online now. It's easy to hear all this music, right? Mm -hmm. I notice a little bit more of a crossover, though, in the techno kids are starting to pick up on this Ants and Hands stuff. I, I hear the names, people are starting to be more familiar with it when I chat with people. Um, yeah, this is the first time I've noticed that in, 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 in all the years that, you know, that I've been pushing the sound. I mean, I... I I'm late to it. I started playing this stuff in 99, 2000. It's the industrial stuff or old school EBM. So, I mean, I remember EBM records coming in the shop in 1990, 91. I was like, what's up with this vocal stuff, man? <laughs> and then it was also an American EBM was always, you know, or industrial was always with guitars or was considered to be like alternative almost, like Nine Inch Nails or, or Ministries, this, their second round when they were going more like heavy yeah. with, the, with the guitar stuff. So I always had this... this preconception that it was all guitar and electronic i didn't know that it was that it was like just electronic stuff like clinic and even like skinny puppy and i just didn't know that when did you when and how did you start hearing that stuff uh i started probably around late in the late 90s because i got really bored of this loop techno thing like the loop techno thing was so it was so redundant at this point it was like 300 records a week and it's just a loop and i'm looking for something new things got really out of hand in the late 90s with that and then it was like i was i was collecting secondhand you know going secondhand record shopping because i was always looking for records for the shop and so I was like, oh, I like some of this Italo stuff from back in the day because I knew some of it from the 80s when my brother used to play it. So we'd find some cool records, but then there was always like this cheesy break in the record. Like you, you, it, the, the synth lines would be really good and then it'd get really like, like super cheddar in the middle. And then one day it just happened, some woman that was Einstein Nybaden's, uh manager at some point for, for America came in the shop with, with a box of records and she's like oh, I'm selling these records and it's mostly industrial stuff and Reed Truth was there and Reed is an old school industrial DJ I he's, mean he really knows yeah, this shit right so yeah, he's in it he's like you gotta listen to this stuff I know that we've done this before and you don't like this stuff but I'm telling you you will dig this because now my mind was a little bit more open for this kind of older school electronic stuff you know from the 80s a bit more I mean I grew up with a lot of that stuff like Electro in New York but now I was like okay I'm, I'm I, I I don't know my mind was more open because techno was boring me at this point so i was looking for something new but maybe it was i had to go into the past to go forward in a way and so this woman comes in and you know i've told the story probably before in some interviews but it was a clock dva record that reed pulled out called the act 
And he's like, I know you're not gonna like the vocals, but play the instrumental. And when I heard this like kind of rigid percussion and I just, I was like, I, I wanna hear more of this. This is, this is the shit. Right. And then it was just one after another. You got to listen to Clinic. You got to check this out. Well, yeah, having I'm sure having Reed there was key. And he knew a bit, and he knew the rhythmic noise thing, which was a little bit separate from from the EBM thing. I mean, it is. It's, it's actually separate scenes. And so he was like, yeah. And then there's this new stuff. And then he was sh- showing me some of this stuff because Sonar on, on, which is a really big rhythmic noise act, which is on Anzen. They've done stuff. Sonar's done stuff on Hands, right? No, no, just yeah. Error. I think there's like a remix. Yeah, the remix. Right, yeah. you guys did the remix as well. Yeah. I think one of them. Yeah. And so you know, Sono was one of the guys from 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 Insect Clinic. He's Monolith that records on Sonic Roof. And uh, you know, then there was all these connections of some some artists from back in the day that were doing this music. So yeah, everything got a little crossed over, and I, I jumped into that. And then I really dug that because to me that was like really like modern techno industrial. That was really a good period yeah so i found the techno again the harder techno but it wasn't coming from the techno scene right and then and then minimal started at some point in there no it was going on it was it it was it was really coming up i mean minimal was going on in 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 the late 90s 97 98 studio one the first prolong records came out in 98 right because i have i like i'm talking about when it got like right when i really picked up it was a lecture clash that was big in 2000 when i was doing the industrial ebm thing i'd play some of these electro clash parties like even fisher spooner they booked me to play their birthday party in williamsburg uh lux i was in a warehouse and it was a fucking good party man and i played all like ebm and it was it the people were up for it and the electro clash thing there was some good records i mean hell definitely put some good records out at that time so there was this Sound. Cross, yeah, there was a few. There was definitely <laughs> some good ones. Then, it, then it got. I mean, it was always this cheese element. But you had guys like David Coretta who did, who who made good tracks, or you know, the Hacker and uh, you know, Terrence Fixima was like. I would call Terrence's stuff Electro Clash by any means. But a lot of people in that scene were playing those records, so there was a crossover. So it seems like you're always kind of looking for the next. Well, not necessarily looking for the last next thing, but you're always getting bored with what's happening. I do, but you know what? I, I learned my lesson the hard way the first time around because in the early 90s, like in 92, I was on the forefront of the hard acid techno scene. We were, you know, I had this project with a guy, Jimmy Crash, called X Crash. It right. was on De- Direct Drive. It was on uh, Peace Frog. I did a record with my other partner, Heather, X, as, as, as X Hard on Dave Clark's Magnetic North label. And I was doing a lot of acid stuff, and I mean, I was getting a lot of gigs off of it in Europe. And I jumped out of it a little too early. By the time it, the sound really blew up, I was already out of it. I was more into the original, minimal Detroit Mills hood, this 94 period, you know, this more stripped down, but it's still harder techno, not like minimal tech, tech house, whatever you want to call it. And I jumped out of the acid thing, and that's when it started to get really big. So, I, you know, sometimes I jumped out of things. Be- by the time it got hot, I was already on the next thing and didn't get any credit for it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, Pretty I awesome. was actually kind of making minimal techno records in 96 on Scandinavia, on Landstrom's label. If you listen to, the, um, what is this, uh, this this record I did for Neil, it's the BMT lines, the Adam X on Scandinavia. It's like Scandinavia number five on Landstrom's label. It's really stripped down, bass lines and bleeps, because I was also influenced by the early Warp stuff. But I jumped out of that sound, you know? So yeah. I haven't jumped out of the industrial EBM sound because this one, this is really in my blood. This is really, I, I still even, 
doing this a long time, I still love hard, heavy music, you know? Yeah. And this, it just feels right. And I still have tons of ideas. I think, I think the music, there's a, there's a lot of places I can still go with it. And it almost feels infinite, inf infinite when I'm working on stuff that I can go and, and take it to another level. Right, and you have you have a lot of different projects you work on still, so you have a lot of different outlets, yeah. which I assume keeps you from getting bored as well. Or absolutely, you know, it's uh, it, it is good to have that. You know, I love I love doing the ADMX seven one stuff. It's uh, it's very uh, liberating to uh, make music that's not for a dance floor. Yeah, you know, it's uh, so wow, that got that got heavy fast. Going like I wanted to ask you about way back when you guys started the record store in New York like what was going on then and what made you decide to open a record store in New York to sell it's funny you say records. that because we just drove by there if anybody knows where L&B Pizza is in Brooklyn it's one of the most famous pizza spots in Brooklyn it's on 86th Street it's really, oh Spumoni yeah Spumoni right exactly haven't I been there with you no we you talked about it but the shop is is on the block behind it on Avenue U and West 11th Street I mean it's it's literally not even 400 feet okay. so that's what the original shop is so if you could visualize that or if any of the listeners from new york have been to spumoni because that's a really well-known spot it's really out there it's way it's out there yeah. you need a it, car it's, 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 it's one stop away from coney island train uh coney island the beach on the end train right on yeah. 86th street so my brother i don't know they, there was always there was a record store there before and then there was a like they had like a studio in the back and and my brother took it over from these guys and uh he decided he wanted to open up a shop and the, and the original shop was called groove records and the reason was that was that my brother had played my brother was playing all these big raves in the uk back in like 88 89 and um he uh wanted to open up a record store he you know from going there and he wanted to push techno that was his objective i didn't realize that him playing over there came before the so he was producing, then playing yeah. in Europe, then he came back and wanted to start. And then a he wanted store. he wanted to start the record store and he wanted to start the rave scene. When did the when did the rave scene start? When did or when did you guys well, start doing the storm raves? The f the first storm raves were like in in ninety one. They were small, two hundred three hundred people generator, and by ninety two they were already like five thousand people. It was insane. It was totally totally crazy. And were those always just total? outlaw events yeah were they in they legal were, they venues were, or did we, you guys just we had me and my brother we grew up in uh in flatbush brooklyn and there's a, a freight train line a cargo train line that cuts through all of brooklyn it's only one actually it's only really the only main freight train line that cuts through brooklyn and it's uh we lived on the last house on the left on a dead-end street and so our backyard was the train tracks and that's where the whole kids played in the neighborhood because the trains didn't really run down that much back in the 70s and 80s maybe maybe a train would come by once every three days four days in the afternoon so it was kind of a playground and if you walked four blocks down you were in an industrial area like uh, near glenwood road if anybody knows that out there and there was like masonry yards where they would pull like freight trains like the cargo trains to pull in the yard to load the bricks and stuff and stones onto the trains it's all building materials and um, we cut the lock off of the gate of the cargo train and we threw a party in there. We locked us in the party. We actually locked the gate from the inside, went in there. We knew the neighborhood really well. I mean, we weren't living in this area at this time, but we knew it like the back of our hands. And then further down, maybe about another, I say a half a mile down, is all these junkyards. It's on Forster Avenue. And in the back, the freight tracks run. 
and you could just do parties. We would just go up there with generator and bring 300 people up there and behind this junkyard, and the sound wouldn't penetrate into any of the neighborhoods because it was super industrial, and the police didn't know about it. And we got the sound system up there because about a mile down from there, the train tracks, the freight tracks go on side of a MTA train yard, work train yard by uh, New Lots Avenue, Livonia Avenue. No, it's uh, actually it's on Linden Boulevard off the L train and I had bolt cutters and we broke into the train yard and we saw these dollies that you put on the train tracks they have wheels on them and we pushed them all the way down we rolled the dolly all the way down to Ralph Avenue and there's a hill the tracks are like on a, an embankment and we brought the sound system up the embankment put it on this dolly and rolled the dolly on the tracks it has like metal wheels it's very heavy and it's like for people to lift it up uh-huh. and we just pushed it down and we were in the middle of the police wouldn't be able to get up there they're not going to walk up there they don't even know we're up there you know it was it, we stay up there till 10 11 in the morning sunday the junkyard's closed so for it's kids, crazy yeah so for kids that are used to doing all their promotion online now how how are you getting five that like how did how are you getting five thousand people to know what you were doing to know where it was happening well, how did that work well, my brother was doing a DJ radio thing on a college radio in Brooklyn called Kingsborough Radio, uh, B91 Kingsborough Community College. And it has a reach, I don't know about now, but back then it had a reach of about six miles radius. And so my brother did it every week and, and just promoted to everybody in the neighborhood. I mean, it was a really popular radio station. You have to remember, this is before internet, so people would wanted a source of music and people definitely listened to the radio a lot back then. And, and the word of mouth just spread. I mean, you know, people, it, 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 it blew up so quick. It's amazing that in a year it went from like 200, 300 people to, to 5,000 people. In it's hard for me to imagine. Like Then we did, the, the, the crazy one was during, we used to have the music seminar in New York, which is like the Winter Music Conference in Miami or... or CMJ or something? No, it was the New Music Seminar, NMS. It was the really big one and everybody came from all over the world. It was, it was it's like ADE, like ADE in, in, in right. Amsterdam. And all the techno artists came. And that year we did, the, we did a storm rave in a, in a storage warehouse out in Bensonhurst in Brooklyn. And we had Richie Horton played, first time he ever played in New York. Sven Veith, the first time he ever played in the U.S., paid him $100. <laughs> we didn't know who he was. Lenny D., the, the famous Gabber industrial hardcore DJ, New York legend, he was like, hey, I got my buddy, he's going to be here for the seminar, and he's a famous DJ in Germany. And we, did, we, didn't, we really didn't know because the techno scene came late in Germany. Belgium and Holland and England was already popping off three years before. Right. Germany was more still kind of on EBM and industrial. You know, they, the techno thing was big. It was big. It was in Berlin, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it, it didn't really blow up in Germany until 92 with production records and stuff. So we didn't know a lot of the names at that time. We didn't know who he was. I mean, it, you know, Hard House just started. I mean, he's just started Hard House Records. I mean, probably when we did the raid, probably the second, third release was out. So yeah. we didn't know. Well, also information traveled much more slowly so then we yeah the internet you didn't i mean so we had richie we had we had sven we had doc martin from la you know originally from san fran i mean it was a big lineup damon wild uh you know me bones uh jimmy crash heather didn't play on that one um yeah and it was amazing it was like almost four thousand people there like 3500 people and then all the people from the seminar i mean had renat from rns kenny larkin everybody everybody that attended the seminar not everybody but all a lot of the main players from back then that were, were doing big things in the techno scene were there it what, was a special what year party. was this it was in june of 1992. i'll wow. never forget that party it was amazing sounds like a good one well with that 
I guess we're we're bleeding into Orphex time a little bit here. Are you guys, no you guys no want to talk now? It's your turn. Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Going to talk about some Toronto rave yeah, history. Let's talk about that. Let's hear about that. How come they never brought me up there back then? No. <laughs> they they didn't once. know who you were. No. You could have made a hundred dollars. Um, well, thanks for joining us, Adam. I'm sure you're probably going to be uh, chiming in as we get on the mic a little later with Orfex. Are we ready to go into some... Yeah, we can play some music. Okay, so... so play a few tracks and then uh, chat about it. Do you want to talk yeah. about what you guys are going to do here? I think you're you're going to play some influences? Yeah, that's the, the premise. Stuff that influenced the album or has generally been influential for us. Um, so maybe we'll just play a few things and then we'll come back to Yeah, the, so uh, we're going to get into the mix with Orfex. This is uh, Sonic Groove on the Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. Music Academy Radio.
Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. We're in the mix with Orphix right now, who are playing us some tracks that influenced their new album, which is out on Sonic Groove and Hands this week, right? Just came out this week? Yeah, just just came yeah. out. Uh, okay, so what 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 were you? What have you been playing here? So we started with a track by Conrad Schnitzler, and uh, then some Mika Vanio, and then something by an artist named Vrome. He's From also, Montreal. Uh, yeah, fellow Canadian. Cool. And we chose those three because um, all three of them have been uh, artists that we've listened to for many years and <clears throat> have found really influential. Yeah, I mean, the Mika Vanio tunnel of music is seems almost endless, <laughs> endless right? yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> for sure yeah he's a huge uh, influence though and that was from the oleva album which is that's one of my i mean i don't even I, i'm sure i haven't heard all of his music but that's mm-hmm. definitely one of my favorite albums yeah absolutely great album um so why the uh, just did the i mean did these have a specific influence on the album or just this is this um, is like i think these ones more generally are just artists that we've we both kind of returned to i mean vrome is someone who's been working since the early 90s and i remember i think the very first album he did on tesco 92 maybe 91 somewhere in there i mean i remember uh when we first heard that and i became really obsessed with that that record and his sound and just so the way he structures sounds i think all three of them have this tendency to to like just have a few sounds and and really put effort into having like a rich quality to the the music and and not too many layers you know and just and slowly developing modulating and i think with brome the the rhythm part was important yeah huge, i mean that was huge. that was a big thing because we were listening to a lot more experimental music at the time too and there would fall into that category as well yeah. um and then the more rhythmic stuff um from brome was really exciting yeah i mean schnitzler's another like that's an endless tunnel of music as yeah. well there's <laughs> still still unearthing tons of unreleased things and releasing them now mm-hmm. from that guy um so i mean how how would this affect like your actual like when you guys sit down in the studio you, you said these these are maybe more minimal cuts not a lot of layers mm-hmm. is that how you approach things do you do you do a lot of overdubbing and layering or well for this this record in particular i think a lot of it was was made through like improvisations um so we would just record for a few hours and then pick out pieces that we really liked and then kind of develop them from there yeah i mean i've seen your live process now as we said earlier i think you've been at the bunker twice in the last Mm -hmm. i don't know year and change and it seems like there's definitely a a big improv factor in there and Mm -hmm. i know yeah, like the last time you two played, uh, Christina, you were you were basically you were patching your modular all day, really. That yeah. was like, <laughs> I think you were in town for about twenty four hours before the gig, and most of that time was spent with like your head was down, you had headphones on, and you were just in the modular. Might do that tomorrow morning. Too. Right. So we'll what see. are you, I mean? What exactly? What are you? What's going on there for people who like don't understand how? modulars work or like what's what's your what's your process in setting setting your uh your your gear your setup up for a show yeah um well we work together um so for our live performances um rich is focusing more on rhythmic 
aspects. Um, uh -huh. And then uh, with the modular, um, I'm exploring more um, bass lines, melodies, and in um, some like textural sounds as well too. Um, and sometimes kind of noise patterns um, come into it. Um, but I set that up in a way that um, I know what the patches are and I can manipulate them while I'm playing so that there's, um, there's room um, to come up with um, new stuff. We have kind of an idea where we want to go, um, but um, you know, that changes while we're playing. And Rich will listen to what I'm doing and, you know, and then kind of work with what I'm giving him and then vice versa. So we're trying to listen to each other and kind of move it along that way. Do you find it easier to improvise with, I mean, you both have solo projects and other collaborations. Is it something that's easier to do with another person versus a solo show because you have somebody to bounce the ideas off of or? Yeah, yeah I would definitely. say so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're, it sounds like your approach to like making this album and playing a live show is pretty different. Would you ever like play a track from one of your albums as part of a live show or use elements of the track? Mm -hmm. or are yeah, they just two really separate things? No, I mean, that's what we're doing with, with these shows is, I mean, the last few years is incorporating pieces of the studio material so we can render small sections and, and like samples and that are them. used yeah. um, or like a, a certain kind of rhythm. Um, Rich will be able to, to kind of recreate that kind of rhythm pattern and then what I do with him may or may not um, may go somewhere different but it'll still have some elements of um, of some of our studio tracks cool well shall we get back into the mix for a little bit sure. here all right you are listening to the bunker New York on RBMA radio we're in the mix with Orfix
To the Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. We are in the mix with Orphix, who are playing us some of their, uh, well, I guess some influences, general influences, but also specific to their new album, which is out this week on Sonic Groove and Hands. Uh, do you want to give us, I guess, a callback of the last few tracks you played and why you played them? Yeah, uh, we played Suffer and Silence by The Clinic, another band that we've been listening to for many, many years. And Adam influenced you us mentioned a them earlier, right? The Clinic yeah. is the best. <laughs> the EBM of EBM. Yeah. That is the best EBM band. No, there's a few. I have a lot of favorite EBM acts, but Clinic is a, is a very special one, right? Yeah, I had a big, in, big influence. I think I think the way I make beats, the way Mike sounds, it's Clinic is coming in there for sure. I was going to say definitely in the, the new album, there's some yeah, just brought EBM back in there. Yeah, I would say it's had some influences on definitely some of my stuff, especially going back maybe 10, 12 years too. Clinic is so is that something you've been listening to like since you were young? That's why it's such a yeah. huge yeah. Yeah, we were gonna play some Skinny, skinny puppy, puppy as yeah. well. <laughs> they they kind of go hand in hand. Canadian content. Yeah, too. The, the Canadian <laughs> version of the clinic. Um, but yeah, that, I mean both those acts. Uh, we've been listening to for a long time and had a, had a big influence on even wanting to make music, especially Puppy for me. I mean, that was probably one of the first industrial acts I ever heard. And that kind of opened me up to all what came before it and what was happening simultaneously. And right, yeah, that's was kind of a gateway. So as youngsters, how were you discovering music and following this music just at the record store, on the radio? A lot of radio. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a lot of radio. I think, like Adam was saying, I mean, you listen to the radio a lot more when you're when and, that's, yeah, there was nothing. It's either else. buy a record or listen to the radio. Yeah, pretty much you know, the two. You had to dig. You had yeah. to go out digging. It was uh, digging deep to find things. You yeah, know? I mean, I remember as a teenager, like hearing about Kraftwerk, hearing about Can for the first time sounded interesting, but to actually hear the music. I had to find a can record or a Kraftwerk record, mm-hmm. used at a record store, and that wasn't always easy to do. Well, yeah. I, I had kind of kind of crazy to think about now. People just yeah, it's uh, open up YouTube, Spotify, yeah. boom, okay, yeah. it's got one, it. It's one of the reasons why I got into the whole industrial EBM thing late because in New York City the kids didn't listen to this. I grew up with friends of that listen to all kinds of music, whether from electro to hip hop to metal, right, to you know Swedish metal, like this dark metal. 
I was asking one of my friends that was is very multiversal in tastes of, of from from electro to rock. He's listening to everything. I said, how come we never listened to Skinny Puppy back then? Didn't really know it. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it seemed like the, the suburbs. It was even like that when I was going out to the parties here in the early 2000s. It seemed like the clubs like Batcave, which was the big EBM goth club in New York. It seemed that most of the people that went there were not from the inner boroughs. That they were from Long Island or Jersey. And yeah, I just had no connection to this music. If I would have heard Skinny Puppy and this stuff in the late 80s, coming from being a big Black Sabbath fan my whole life. Yeah. And the darkness of this music, I would have totally been into it. I just never heard it. I didn't know it. Yeah, I mean, what about you guys in clubbing? Was there uh, any kind of like goth or industrial club scene in Toronto that yeah. you could go and yep. hear there, this music in that environment? When you there were? was that kind of scene in Toronto for sure. That was pretty vibrant. And then there was also the rave scene at the time. So this is early '90s, and uh, we would go out, you know, probably at least once a month to a yeah, party like yeah. that, and and just discover new music and start to hone in on the kinds of techno that we liked and that, that resonated with what us. What about in the 80s? What was it before techno, before house? I mean, techno and house was around in the 80s, but it wasn't blown up up there yet for sure. So what was what were people listening to in, in your Well, era? I remember what, what, Acid House in the late 80s. Yeah, okay. yeah. What about in the, the mid radio? 80s? New Wave? Well, I, yeah, no. I was probably listening to like the Rolling Stones or something, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, wasn't, I wasn't allowed I to go out and stay out late. What I mean, yeah, what are they playing? on the radio if you turn yeah. to the college radio I mean you know New you guys... wave for me for sure okay yeah, yeah, yeah. talking heads yeah. that was that was big okay yeah, yeah that kind of yeah. thing so was skinny poppy and frontline assembly and psyche and all these Canadian bands were they big in the scene up there at that time did you I ever hear say so. stuff? Yeah. yeah I would say so I mean once you start to tune into it um yeah they were big for sure and the Canadians yeah. were, were showing love to their own homebred acts and stuff like yeah, that back yeah. then yeah and there's so, like they had a strong following for all those bands I mean I know that Toronto I mean I've been up there in the early 2000s it had a pretty strong gothic industrial yeah. scene way way bigger than here yeah know. that still exists now but I feel like the 90s were were uh, like that was a more vibrant scene yeah. then for sure yeah and ditto for techno I mean it's coming back again or uh, maybe the style of techno that we tend to like is coming back again, but yeah, I think but uh, yeah, I mean that was an exciting time. And to, to talk about the record record digging, I, mean, I have like so many like fond memories of like trying to find a record, and someone would say, "Oh, if you like that, you gotta check out this." And okay, I gotta try and find this damn thing, and like kind of weird. going around to different stores <laughs> or totally different, different cities trying to find that record. Now it's, you got Discogs. You t- t- yeah. you figure you'll pay yeah. like $50, $60 cuz it's all yeah. mocked up because yeah. it's Or you have YouTube or you have yeah, Spotify. All right. I mean, you can become you can a, hear it right away. I, I call it the YouTube DJs. All you got to do is you click on one thing you like from back in the day and all of a sudden it links you to 25 other things in 2 seconds, right? I mean, Oh, now you're giving up so all your easy. secrets. <laughs> no, 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 it's just making people. Eat. It's making people learn stuff much quicker than when we were when no, we had to I know. learn it because I've we had to really dig and and really find records. I mean, I remember buying secondhand records when I told you I was playing all this like buying all this old Italian stuff. I'd go into shops and I'd find it, and one of the records is worth five hundred dollars now. I paid a dollar for it. I thought it looked cool. It was Plutoids and Humanoids, right. and IF put it on a mix CD. Yeah years later yep. and the record was selling for 500 euros I was like I got that for a dollar and the only reason I bought it was I thought oh this has got to be some cool electronic thing Plutons and Humanoids 1980 it's not cool right <laughs> but that was the art of record buying back then it was like you know it was uh, much more uh, I, 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 I wouldn't want to say the word what, what am I looking for not anonymous but you 
you didn't know what, you know, you would see something, you didn't know what it was, maybe they didn't have a turntable in the shop, you couldn't get on the phone and look at it on Discogs, you you, you could get a, a $500 record for a dollar if the store owner didn't know what it is, but now every secondhand shop, they know, they they go right on there, look yeah, it I up, know. it's not exciting it's to not, really buy secondhand not, records it's anymore. It's not fun, it used to be no. fun, maybe you would know something that the record shop didn't, or you would take a chance on something, it'd be cool. I mean, now it's just this level playing field, it's... You and might as well just buy the record on Discogs because... And it's a speculation market. A record come out four months ago, it's out of print, it's already selling 30, 40 euros, right? I mean, you never saw that on vinyl back in the day. If a, if a techno record went out of print, it'd take years to get even 20, 30 dollars for a record. Now, it's just insane. Yeah, I remember the records on the wall at Sonic Groove. They were like really old classics and they still... There'd be a record like on the wall for twenty five dollars. Yeah, that right? was, that that was, was like an massive, expensive record. Like like, Whoa, that like, one's worth twenty five. And we had to get yeah, we exactly we had to get it all. We bring it all the way back from London or England somewhere because we couldn't find copies of it in the states. And now it's just it's just crazy. Now it's it's. It, it, I think people are just buying certain labels because they know there's a value to it more than they're actually buying it for the music. And it's like, uh, it's like when I, I mean, I used to work in comic books and stuff like that. So I it's know. A similar. It has that thing. feel to me and it yeah. grosses me out. Yeah. Uh, so, so what else did you guys play going we back? We played uh, Sick Sick USA by VVV, so Pansonic plus Mika Vanio. That's a nice combination. Great yeah. record. Yeah, that is a great record. That's another one we come back to. Um, and just yeah, just to kind of flag the influence of suicide for sure. Um, particularly on this record where we're exploring making vocals more prominent in our work, and the fact that uh, Alan left us this year. So he did one of yeah. the many, many fallen heroes. Yeah, they seem to continue yeah. to fall. Mm -hmm. It's been kind of a shit year for that for sure. Yeah, for many things. And then we played uh, Liaison Dangereuse uh, live track Dies Cortas if I'm saying that uh, properly. And yeah, another um, influence, I think, particularly for this record and the vocal element and uh, just love their whole, the yeah, whole vibe of, of what they do and that kind of live raw energy. Are you two doing the vocals on the record? Who's, do you, are you? I, I've done some of the vocals and then we had a guest vocalist, Marie Davidson. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. Essay Pa and also her solo work. She just did an album on City Tracks that came oh, yeah, out she was, a couple weeks ago. She was part of the uh, Red Bull Music Academy this right. year, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's and right. And also a Montreal artist. Yeah. Another yes. Canadian. Yes, another Canadian. <laughs> you Canadians. Yeah, throw that in there. <laughs> in your government-funded festivals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she was really great to work with, too. Mm. And we enjoyed doing the remix for Essay Pa earlier in the year, so... Oh yeah, that's out on vinyl today on DFA. Yeah, and what is what are we hearing right now? Uh, we're just playing some stuff from the new album. Okay, so we're hearing album. album tracks in the background yes, yes. while we talk. Yeah. Yes, but this might be a nice point to play some Marie Davidson. So okay, maybe we should do that. So we will get back into the mix with Orfix. We've got about 15 minutes left here. Stay tuned. This is the Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. Shades down low. 
Angelo. You're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio in the studio with Adam X and Orphix, both of whom got a shout out. They're playing tomorrow night at The Bunker at Analog in Brooklyn, along with Dasha Rush, also on Sonic Groove, and The Bunker resident DJ Patrick Russell. More info on that at thebunkerny.com. Just shout out your websites, sonicgroove.com and orphix.com. Orphix is... O-R-P-H-X. I guess that's not... And AdamX.net. AdamX.net. I got two. <laughs> Label one, artist one. <laughs> um, so what are we listening to right now? Uh, it's Pentagons by Rose. Or R. Rose. And before that we played uh, a little bit of a track by Arabaros, which is myself, and Aaron West, who is one of the original members of Orphix. And he did some sound design on this new record, so I thought we'd play a bit of that. We just put out an, uh, another album together as a Rob Ross on Antzen. And before that, we played Marie Davison Boulevard Tachereau um, from uh, an album called An Ultra Voyage. And that record in particular, um, I think we found quite inspirational. And, and that, I think listening to that record, we were like, okay, let's, let's talk to Marie about getting her on. Yeah. More, so more like contemporary influences mm-hmm. here. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else do we have to say here? Uh, I think, think um, I should chat out my next radio show, which is in two weeks with Mike Servito and Magda, who are doing a back-to-back thing, which is kind of new for them, somewhat rare. They're also playing at Analog on December 2nd. And I think we have enough time here for one more cut. Do you know... You know what you want to play? Playing some Mike Parker. Okay, so we're going to finish with some Mike Parker, which is always great. Yes, and a contemporary influence, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I can I can hear and that one for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so you've been listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. We've got five more minutes here listening to Mike Parker. Thank you, Orphix. Thank you, Thanks. Adam. Thank you. Thanks, Brian, for having us. Thank yeah. you for having doing this party, man. Yeah, this is like yeah a, we're pretty excited know, about major, it. Major. Everyone's very excited for tomorrow. First, like, really big, proper Sonic Groove label night. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, is it the first, like, big, proper Sonic Groove label this night really in New the, York? This is the first really label artist night, like, which is focused on the artists and not, like I said, no no connection to the shop, the shop and, and the old school thing, you know? Cool. All right, so we'll be at Analog tomorrow again. More info on that at thebunkerny.com. This is The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio.